passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Happy hump day, and welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Sample joined by Scott White. Lots to talk about. What is going on with Zach Plesak? Luis Castillo will fire up the worryometer. Some buy, sell, and hold. Going to rank some things and recap everything else that happened on Tuesday. But first, Scott, how about those Bronx Bombers taking it to your Atlanta Braves? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't so thrilled to see that, Frank. Braves could use some wins, too. But you know what? Everything's bad. I've decided everything's bad. I've been uh, kind of uh, kind of dismayed at just how many of my predictions have been wrong so far this year. And I keep thinking, okay, it's early. You know, things are going to normalize. Plenty of time to normalize. But I'm... I'm still waiting for the normalization to kick in. And I'm talking both macro season-long predictions and micro, uh, you know, for the week ahead predictions. My, my sleeper pitchers for this upcoming week. On Thursday, when I, or Friday, when I first came out with the column, my top sleeper pitcher was Brad Keller. Oh, no. Who uh, oh, got no. crushed tonight. <laughs> Now, I did Sunday night when I updated it, I did take him out of the top spot because he had lost his two start status over the weekend. And instead, I replaced him at the top with Griffin Canning, who relieved Shohei Otani. So he's not even going to make a start this week. I, I wouldn't think. I guess it's possible late in the week he will. I'm feeling great, Frank. It's, it's, not, it's not fun right now. I'm not having fun. I want to have fun. Can we have fun? Uh, well, I don't know. Well, we will try. Uh, it certainly won't come in the in the form of Patrick Corbin, who we told everyone to drop last week, and now Bingo. he's, he's yeah. back from There's the dead one. as well. So, look, it's still very early in the season. We are about a tenth of the way in. Some teams sitting between 15 and 20 games played. So I still think things are going to normalize. Players that are off to slow starts, that are proven talents, more often than not, are going to get back on track. And we will talk about some of those players later on. But let's get things started with the Oh My Goodness Gracious player from Tuesday. Oh my good goodness gracious! All right, want to get us started here, Scott? Well, after, after clearing my throat there at the top, I think I have to go with Zach Plesak as my Oh My Goodness Gracious player. Another example of me being quite dumb. Um, and I'm thankful Chris isn't here to rub it in my face. 
So I will rub it in my own face. He was, uh, it was another bad start against the same White Sox team. Six earned runs in five innings, two home runs allowed, but they're both solo shots. So, you know, most of the six runs came on just, uh, just getting hit, hit, hit around, I guess a double, a triple or a couple doubles were hit off of them. No triples. Um, four strikeouts in those five innings. That's not great either. He didn't walk anybody. So the control has, has been good. And, and actually I was encouraged by his pitch selection in this one. I, I don't think I'm straining to find something positive. I, I actually was wondering what was up with him throwing his fastball so much again in his first three starts, only one of which was up to my expectations for him, right? Um, but the pitch selection was was more like we saw last year in this latest start against the White Sox. He threw his fastball only 30% of the time, went really heavy with the secondary stuff. The the whiff rate overall was solid. He's had two good he's had two starts with a good whiff rate, two with a bad whiff rate, basically. I think if he continues down that path, he's probably going to be okay. You know, the last two starts, obviously, some home runs have been given up, uh, but he's not a fly ball pitcher, really. And I know heading into this start, his XFIP was not actually that bad. It was below four. So I'm not ready to really say Plesek is bad. Two good starts, two bad starts one great start of those two good ones. The good news is because he's a two-star pitcher, you don't have to decide yet whether or not to start or sit him unless you play in a daily league. But if you're like a normal person and play in a weekly league, you get to see how that next start goes and then you can make the decision whether to bench him next week. And and that, I think, would would be the deciding factor for me. If he gets crushed again next time out, uh, probably going to have to remove him from my lineup until he shows signs of turning things around. But again, I, I was encouraged by the pitch selection for Plesak in this start. And it's worth mentioning his first two starts where he performed quite well. He delivered a quality start in both were against the Detroit Tigers and his last two starts where he's been crushed have come against the White Sox. And I know his start later this week will come against the Yankees an offense that is supposed to be good, but is off to a very slow start. Even on Tuesday, I'm you know obviously kidding around with you here, Scott, regarding them. But, you know, they take the Yankees take the lead on a it was a pass ball and a and a bases loaded walk. They're they're not hitting the ball, so um, could be an opportunity for Zach Plesac to bounce back. I was looking into him, trying to figure out what's wrong. He's not getting a lot of whiffs, a lot of strikeouts. Six point six K per nine entering Tuesday. Uh, he is giving up a lot of hard contact. I saw on his Statcast page, Plesac had a four point seven four expected ERA, and, and just watching the start, he's just missing his spots and. Command is supposed to be his calling card. He's not walking anyone. He only has two walks yeah. through his first four starts, which is great. Yeah. You love to see that. But he's also not getting a lot of strikeouts. And when he's missing within the zone, he's missing badly. And that's what—that's when he's getting crushed by you know, teams like the White Sox, who they have hitters who are, if you make a mistake, they are not going to miss them. So I agree. You know, We'll see what happens in his next start. He's scheduled to face the White Sox again next week. So that would be... <laughs> Come on, give him somebody else. It's wild, right? And it's in Chicago, too. It's three of his you know, last four starts are going to be against the Wait, White two Sox. Two starts in the same week against the White Sox? It's. I think it's the way that the scheduling is right now. They're kind of... They're trying to make teams face... Each I'm going to check your early math, Frank, because I don't, I don't remember entering White Sox, White Sox when I was filling in the two-star pitcher rankings. No, no, no. He faces the Yankees later this week. He's projected for the White Sox next week. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. I got gotcha. you. My so, bad. Somebody on Twitter... Yeah, I got something else wrong. Uh, somebody else on Twitter asked, 
Would you drop Zach Plesak for Nathan Avaldi? It's pretty tough. <laughs> I mean, it's it's obviously a pretty shallow league if Avaldi's still out there. Right. It's probably a ten team league. I confident. I I can tell you, I'm not ready to move Plesak behind Avaldi in my rankings. So I. I, I I could make a justification for it in a shallow league, but I personally wouldn't do it. I would do it. It's, I don't think that I'm overreacting to just four starts, but Avaldi has really picked up from what he's done, what he did last year, and the numbers across the board look phenomenal right now. So could be looking at a mid-career breakout for Avaldi. I still kind of like Plesag. I think we need to see more, but ultimately I, I would I would drop him for Avaldi in shallower I, leagues. I mean, it is worth reiterating. Plesak's first two starts, he did not allow, or he allowed two earned runs in 13 innings. They were two good starts. And then the last two have been bad starts. I would say only one of those first two starts was great. That's, you know, I've already said all this, but I think it is worth reiterating before people completely flip out about Plesak's season. Oh my goodness gracious, for me, it really wasn't that crazy of a start, but people are freaking out. And it's regarding Luis Castillo. So let's just, Jump in right away here at the top. Four innings pitched, seven hits, three runs. One of those are earned. He's had some bad defense behind him so far this year. Three walks, four strikeouts, 11 whiffs on 89 pitches. He averaged 96.1 miles per hour on his sinker in this start, so that wasn't the issue. He only gave up four hard-hit balls, so seems like he kind of just got unlucky, walked a lot of guys, and the pitch count got up pretty fast. Uh, He is typically, at least he was last year, a slow starter, 4.10 ERA through his first seven starts. And for his career in the month of April, he has a 4.53 ERA, Luis Castillo. So is he going to be the top 10 starting pitcher that I had him ranked as? Maybe not, probably not, the way that you know Corbin Burns and Tyler Glass now have elevated themselves. But I kind of still think Luis Castillo is going to be fine and that he's just a slow starter. So what do you think, Scott? Yeah, I mean, that's my hunch, too. My my concern level is above zero, though, because the velocity has been good since that start in the cold, but it, it he hasn't gotten all the way back to last year, and the whiffs haven't gotten all the way back to last year either. And you, you mentioned he's had some bad defense behind him. That's not changing. <laughs> One of the sure. things that makes Castillo great is he's such a good ground ball pitcher, but when you have Eugenio Suarez at shortstop, is that something you really want? So, you know, maybe if he gets the whiff rate back up to normal, he's missing so many bats that it's not that big of an issue. But the way it's been going right now, uh, he's relying on his defense a lot, and it's it's not coming through for him. And I just wonder if that's, that's going to lead to uh, a higher whip than we're used to seeing from Castillo and, and, and maybe impact his ERA as well. I think that's a possibility. So, yeah, I still have him as a top 20 pitcher. Not, I'm not hitting the panic button on Castillo, but there are some concerning signs here. Yeah, it's a good point that you bring up because he walks so many batters. He gets usually over 50% ground ball rate, and that means a lot of the time he's relying on double plays because, you know, a lot of hitters get on base via the walk. So um, it's a good point because defense is probably going to be bad all season unless... The Reds make some kind of change, but I don't think that is going to happen. Would you trade Joe Musgrove for Castillo if you can do that? So I I just did my weekly rankings audit. I try to update the rankings more often than that, but I do a full audit 
once a week. And I moved Musgrove up to 19th in my starting pitcher rankings for rest of seasons. Pretty dramatic move up the rankings. Still have Castillo 12th. I'd be, I'd, I'd really hesitate to make that trade though. I would. I agree with I you. Would. I would. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, maybe that, that suggests that the gap between 12 and 19 is actually pretty non-existent. More than that, I need to switch those two in my rankings. Um, you know, in, in between are guys like Walker Bueller, Kenta Maeda, uh, Jack Flaherty, some guys I've, other guys I've expressed concern about. So it's not like this is a slam dunk group to begin with. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd trade Musgrove for Castillo. Castillo, I'd want, I'd, I'd want like a second piece to sweeten that deal, and you could maybe get one. Yep. No, I agree with you. It's the way that. Musgrove is pitching right now. There's a chance that after his next three starts, he could be ranked inside your top 15, your top 12. It's uh, there's who knows what the upside is for Joe Musgrove. The other name, Sandy Alcantara. Would you trade Sandy Alcantara for Luis Castillo if you could? Yeah, I feel okay doing that. Sandy Alcantara. I currently have him 26th at starting pitcher and behind guys like Zach Wheeler and and Kyle Hendricks. So we're we're a tier down from from the Musgrove range. Fair enough. The NFL draft is quickly approaching and there's no better audio outlet than the Pick 6 podcast for your daily dose of draft coverage. Join Will Brinson and the, and a team of draft experts for the latest mocks, prospect rankings, player interviews, tips on how to gamble on the draft, and much more. From Trevor Lawrence to Mr. Irrelevant, Pick 6 will provide a comprehensive breakdown of the 2021 NFL draft. So follow the always daily Pick 6 podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever else podcasts are found. Some news and notes. The hits keep on coming for the Washington Nationals. Juan Soto. This really came out of nowhere, too. Placed on the 10-day IL with a left shoulder strain. Andrew Stevenson was in right field. And how about this? Leading off on Tuesday with Victor Robles continuing to bat eighth. So the experiment for Victor Robles did not last long. Also, oh, wait a second. Who who said that was going to happen? All right, Scott. We got to prop got something right. We got to prop you back up here. So anytime, yeah. anytime we get a good Scott White call, we'll <laughs> try and prop <laughs> you back up. Speaking of Juan Soto going on the IL, Scott actually just wrote an article on CBSSports.com of the top IL stashes. He ranks all of them from you know Juan Soto to Noah Syndergaard to Chris Sale and whether or not you should be dropping these players or not, or if they are expendable. So. Yeah, yeah, I went 35 deep, and I actually updated it since the Juan Soto news. So he's now number one in my uh, for sure. IL stash rankings. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, Dave Martinez said uh, he, he just found out 45 minutes before the start of the game that Soto was going on the IL, and uh, there was an MRI that showed the strain. It seemed like an abundance of caution move early in the season. Just let it get better. It doesn't sound like a a long term thing. So, I I you know, think things should be okay. People who have Soto who are listening, things should be okay. But uh, plan on going without him next week, and of course the rest of this week. Mookie Betts was not in the lineup for the Dodgers. He got hit on the forearm with a pitch late on Monday night. He is currently day-to-day. Ronald Acuna was not in the Braves lineup as he continues to deal with that abdominal strain. Ozzie Albies did return for the Atlanta Braves. He got hit by a pitch. 
I think it was on the knee, somewhere on his leg. So Ozzie Albies back in the lineup. Your mean Mercedes left Tuesday's game after fouling a ball off of his left foot. Jorge Alfaro left his game, also due to an apparent leg injury. Gene Segura left for the Phillies and was diagnosed with a strained right quad. Julian Merriweather is not expected to rejoin the Blue Jays when he is first eligible to return from the IL. Jake McGee and Logan Webb were both activated from the COVID IL for the Giants. Before Tuesday's game, the Twins placed Max Kepler, Kyle Garlick, and Caleb Thielbar on the COVID IL. Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, Martin Maldonado, and Robel Garcia were indeed activated on Tuesday. Spoke about that a little bit on yesterday's podcast. Bregman and Maldonado were in the lineup. Jose Altuve has not passed protocols yet. Mike Moustakis was originally in the lineup Tuesday and then was placed on the 10-day IL with a non-COVID illness. Weird situation there for Mike Moustakis. Hope the guy's all right, but um, I had a few leagues where I think he's still locked into my lineup because I did not see that until later on in the day, so bad job, Frank. Kyle Lewis made his season debut for the Mariners on Tuesday. He went 0-3 with a strikeout. Ty France was out of the lineup, dealing with a forearm injury. The Marlins recalled Lewis Brinson to replace Starling Marte in the outfield. Brinson was starting in center, and he was batting eighth. The France did uh, France did pinch hit and stayed in the game to play second. Nice. So hopefully we get a, a full game of him Wednesday and beyond. The struggling Yankees trying to shake things up. No Aaron Hicks or Clint Frazier in the lineup on Tuesday, but they did have Mike Talkman and Brett Gardner in the outfield with Mike Ford at first base. Whoever's idea it was to put Brett Gardner third in the in the lineup between Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Just why? Like, who wakes up and thinks that that's a good idea? It's just, it's not. It's not a good idea. Mike yeah, struck me. As, I mean, we know whose fault it is, right? Yeah. Uh, but it it struck me as quite strange, yes. And you know, a lot of people will say that it's Aaron Boone's fault, but it's Brian Cashman just, the lineup comes from higher than Aaron Boone. He's he's just a puppet and all this. Mike Soroka has really? yet yeah, yeah, that's a little uh, Yankee insider info for you. Brian, there, Brian Cashman sets the lineup. This is a known thing. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of like known but not known kind of thing. The lineup comes from like an analytics department in the front office. I'm sure Aaron Boone does not have a lot of actual input in the lineup. So Okay. All right. Mike Soroka has yet to resume throwing following shoulder discomfort from a few weeks back. The Orioles' 2020 first-round pick, Heston Kierstad, has been cleared to report to the team's alternate training site as he recovers from myocarditis. It's nice to hear for anybody who has him in Dynasty Leagues, like me. Like you. That's right. <laughs> Yasiel Puig signed with Veracruz of the Mexican League, trying to work his way back to the MLB. What do we do with these starting pitchers? All of these gentlemen pitched on Tuesday, and let's talk about them. They're interesting. Julio Arias, the best start of his career. He was at Seattle, seven shutout, one hit, one walk, 11 strikeouts, 17 whiffs on 88 pitches. He has gone at least five and two-thirds in all four of his starts so far, Julio Arias, and he has gone seven innings in two of those. So that's actually probably more than we were expecting for him. Buy, sell, or hold, Scott, on Julio Arias. I, I think I would sell, Ooh. which maybe means you should buy the way things are going. <laughs> but look, this was a great start, obviously. 17 whiffs was a season high. 11 strikeouts a season high, and actually he has gone six innings or more in three of his four starts, which I thought was going to be the biggest issue for him. 
the preservation of innings. It, it, it is good that while he has a rotation spot, they're letting him pitch deeper. His starts are able to be more impactful that way. But I, I also think it means he's going to make fewer starts in the long run because the innings are going to become an issue. And obviously they have a lot of alternatives. At some point, Tony Gonsolin will be healthy and his inning count will be at zero. And uh, there may be some some changes made somewhere down the line. I also don't know. Well, the whiff rate is is up for the season or for Arias, but the the strikeouts really hadn't been there until this start. Uh, I would lean sell, but you know, if you don't find an offer to your liking, then Arias should be plenty useful for you. How about mention the name already? Patrick Corbin. He's back, baby. Going up against the Cardinals. Six shutout, four hits. Zero walks, five strikeouts, eight whiffs on 76 pitches. So he was efficient, but they didn't let him throw, you know, many pitches, obviously. Uh, He averaged 91 miles per hour on both the sinker and the four-seam fastball, which is up almost one mile per hour from where he was last season and actually entering this start. You know, I wonder if we make too much of the velocity for Patrick Corbin, Scott, because he averaged 90.8 miles per hour on the fastball back in 2018, he was a top 10 starting pitcher for fantasy that year. So unless he's just become too predictable because he throws a slider so much, you know, maybe that's contributed to it, but maybe the velocity just doesn't matter all that much. Maybe the league is just caught up to that slider. Um, so buy, sell, or hold. Are you trying to sell immediately just based on this start? Well, Chris has made that case before about the the fastball velocity. If you If you break down that season game by game, it, it it actually fluctuated quite a bit over the course of the season. To me, you see a drop in fastball velocity and you see a drop in production and it's it's hard not to link the two, you know? And, and your argument about predictability, well, he became less predictable in this start. He kind of went back to his old pitch mix. He Remember, he was working in a changeup this spring and he had been throwing it more during the regular season too. He threw, in this good start, he threw three changeups. He threw a slider 41% of the time, which is what he was doing at his best. So he, he kind of went back to old old Patrick, old Patrick, good Patrick Corbin in terms of what he chose to throw in this start, coming off that disastrous start. And it got much better results, and the velocity was up. Those are both encouraging signs. He still didn't get a ton of whiffs. He didn't get whiffs like he did back in his two awesome years. So... I, I don't know. I, obviously, if not that many people listened to me when I said you could drop him after his last start because he's still 92% rostered. Uh, so I'm, I don't know that the advice is go pick him back up. But if you haven't dropped him yet, this is reason to hold out a little longer. To answer your direct question, I, I think you shop him pretty hard right now, sure. But you want full return on your investment. You want to get back at least what you paid for Patrick Corbin. Otherwise, you're, you're, you probably hold and see where he goes from here. And the price that you may have paid for Patrick Corbin would be a 10th, 11th round pick, according to Fantasy Pro's ADP from before the season. 125.4 was the ADP for one Patrick Corbin. So I actually agree with you. I think it's encouraging that he threw the slider as much as he did, but I, I still am not fully buying back in on Corbin here. So try and sell. Carlos Rodon, he was at Cleveland coming off of his no-hitter. Five innings pitched, three hits, two runs. One of those were earned. Five walks, but eight strikeouts. Still had 18 whiffs. How about this? On 110 pitches? 
He just threw 114 in his no-hitter. Tony LaRusa, I mean, turning back the clocks here. 224 pitches over Carlos Rodon's last two starts. So, what do you think, Scott? Buy, sell, or hold Carlos Rodon? I I think you hold him. I, it, look, it doesn't hurt to shop him. I moved him into my top 40 at starting pitcher, which is... Yeah, he's 35th. 35th for me at starting pitcher. He's in that Ian Anderson, Jonathan Luzardo range. Jesus. Jesus. I knew that didn't sound right. <laughs> Jesus Luzardo range. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so, you know, if, if you want to shop him, if you want to shop Carlos Rodon in the hopes of getting, uh, I don't know, maybe you can get Hyunjin Ryu coming off a down turn a down start this time out or or maybe like a Jack Flaherty or Zach Gallen who was so-so in his second start back from the IL. Zach, please. Like I would please sec. Would you trade no, Rodon I, for please No, I wouldn't do it for please They're okay. basically on the same level for me. And okay. it's just unwise to make those trades generally. So if you could do something like that for Rodon, great, but I'm fine holding on to him too. I think he's probably going to have a good year for as long as he stays healthy. He averaged 94.5 on his fastball in this one, which was more like what he was throwing in the middle of his no-hitter than in the early innings when he was more like 92-93. He got 18 whiffs. So he 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 pitched really well again. How about Jameson Tyone going up against the Braves? Five innings of one-run ball. He had five strikeouts, only 10 whiffs on 80 pitches. He hasn't thrown more than five innings or 84 pitches in any start. Scott, do we continue to hold Tyone, who is still rostered in 91% of CBS leagues? Yes, I think you do. I actually watched a lot of this start. It, it looked good to me. Uh, I know the velocity on his fastball isn't quite where it was prior to the second Tommy John surgery, but he he, he changed the whole way he throws it, right? Um, shorten the arm action. It, it's kind of just a different pitch altogether, and it has a higher spin rate, which was the idea. The idea was to give it that rising action to then pair with his his breaking balls. And um, I don't know. I thought he looked good. The line, obviously, he only made it five innings, but it it was good. I, I think we hold on Tyone. Sean Manaya up against the Twins. Holy. Seven shutout, six walks. Uh, six hits, rather. One walk, seven strikeouts, 17 whiffs on 94 pitches. Three straight quality starts for Manaya, 74% rostered. And as of now, it looks like he is on pace for a two-start week next week versus the Baltimore Orioles and at the Tampa Bay Rays. So I feel like we've kind of just mentioned Manaya in passing, Scott, a few times. Like, oh, you could drop Manaya for one of these awesome starting pitchers. But he's actually been pretty damn good. Yeah, his velocity's been up. It hasn't been up as much his last two starts as it was like in spring training. But it, it, it's up for the season like a full mile per hour from a year ago, which is significant. And he's been getting a lot of whiffs. I think his 74% roster ship definitely needs to go up after this start. And uh, I'm still skeptical of the upside. But... I, I, you know, I, I think there's, I think there's a pretty good chance he's a solid pitcher all season long. Would you rather add him or Danny Duffy? Uh, well, yesterday I would have said Duffy, but today I'm saying Manaya. They're right in the same range there. 
Last question, Almanaya. Would you drop Tristan McKenzie for him? Yes. Fair yeah, I actually have McKenzie pretty low just because I'm not sure he's going to be more than a five-inning pitcher. Oh, look, you even have him lower. You have him 97th. I have him 89th. Who is that, Tristan McKenzie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't updated my ranking since last week, but I lowered him just because he's kind of weird to figure out right now. Velocity's down. He's walking a lot. He is getting, getting a lot of whiffs. Tristan McKenzie we're talking about here, but uh, the way that he's walking batters, it's, I think that only hurts his ability to go deeper, deep into starts. So I just I don't really know what he's offering you right now from a fantasy perspective. In a points league, he's not going deep. In Roto, he maybe he gives you strikeouts, but not really going to yeah. get a chance at a win, and he's hurting your whip as well. Uh, who are we up to here? Eduardo Rodriguez. The guy has been awesome. Going up against the Toronto Blue Jays in Fenway, six innings of two-run balls, six strikeouts, 13 whiffs on 90 pitches, and he has 18 strikeouts to just two walks through his first three starts of the season. Remember, Rodriguez missed all of last year. He was dealing with um, a heart issue because of uh, it was COVID-related, and he started the year on the IL with dead arm. Arm looks perfectly fine to me, so... A live arm. I don't want to... Um, it lives. I don't want to overreact too much, Scott, but would you rather have Eduardo Rodriguez or Zach Plesak? I'd rather have Zach Plesak. Okay. But... You know, you asked me Nathan Avaldi versus Plesak earlier, and I, I said Plesak there too. I've, I've moved. So I have Avaldi 50th rest of season. I have Eduardo Rodriguez 51st. So they're, they're right there. They're right there. It's pretty high. Like 50 and 51 should not be available in any league anywhere, yep. any size, any day, ever. Eduardo Rodriguez, I, I love the control that we've seen from him thus far. So keep it rolling, man. We are rooting for you. Chris Paddock. Uh, oh, Chris. Chris, Chris, Chris. Five innings pitched, five hits, five runs. Only one of those was earned. One walk, seven strikeouts. And I was watching this start very closely. The error that they ruled an error kind of looked like a hit to me. So I don't know. Uh, it was the third anything, every, every third inning. Everything just snowballed for him. And he had a full count. He walked to Visayel Garcia. Then he gave up, I think it was a two-run double to Travis Shaw, another two-run single to Omar Narvaez, and it just completely snowballed for him in that one inning. He looked good early on. I, what do we do with Chris Paddock, Scott? Yeah, he's kind of a tough one to figure out. I have no confidence in him right now. And if somebody wanted to... Take him off my hands with a with a good offer. I would probably take it. I don't think you can drop him though. I think it's just too early to to take that kind of extreme action when you know, especially the last two starts, the results have been decent enough. Uh, his XERA isn't bad; it's below four. And actually, you know, we we talk about how how the 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 spin rate isn't back on the four seam fastball, uh, like like he realized he needed to get it back. But if you compare it to 2019, you know, it's not like it hey, had a high spin rate then either. It's it's clo- it's it's moving more in the direction of 2019 than than where it was last year. And and the whiff rate on the fat four seam fastball is better than in than in 2020 as well. Um it's it's closer to 2019 fastball than 2020's fastball. I have no idea why since that's clearly not his best pitch why he threw it 73% of the time in this start against the Brewers. No idea why. He's not mixing the change up with the more. 
Yeah, I, I, I still want to see more of them from Chris Paddock, but I acknowledge that my level of trust is pretty low with him. Would you take either of the Red Sox pitchers over him? Avaldi, Erod? I might. It, it depended how much I depended how much I was struggling without having Chris Paddock as that fixture in my lineup that I thought he was going to be. And if I if I was struggling to fill out my pitching lineup every week, then I, I might have to do that. But if it's just for like, okay, Avaldi and Rodriguez would probably send out my bench anyway, then I think I'd stick with Paddock. It's a tough call. The last one we'll mention here, Jesus Lozardo up against the Minnesota Twins, five and a third shutout, and he needed this because his past couple of starts have been dreadful. Six strikeouts to one walk for Lozardo, 15 whiffs on only 65 pitches. This was I was watching this start too. It was another weird one because the power, one of like the lights went out in Oakland Coliseum and there was a long delay. And then I guess they brought him back out there. And that's why he only had 65 pitches. It was just a weird start because of that. But he still threw the fastball a lot. The velocity was up for the fastballs. So buy, sell, or hold Jesus Lazardo, Scott. Yeah, that was it's it was a good start, obviously, but it was weird that he's still throwing his fastball so much. Maybe just because it's early in the season and he doesn't have the feel for his secondaries yet. That's all I can figure. Because uh, his secondaries are great. I, there's no reason for him to lean so much on the fastball. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready to stick him back in my lineup if, if I can help it, obviously. I, you'd have to have a pretty deep pitching staff, I guess, to leave Luzardo on your bench. But, um, yeah, I, I want to see fewer fastballs before I'm totally back on board. And you just updated those ranks, which you mentioned, Scott, and Lazardo still sits at SP34, so still a good amount of confidence in him uh, just ahead of Carlos Rodon and Trevor Rogers. I, I like what yeah. I saw from him on Tuesday. It's just I, I, I would like for him to work in those breaking and off-speed pitches a little bit more. Right, right. And that's that's tough. That's a tough range. Uh, as we sit here right now, I kind of want to move him behind Rod- Rodon and Rogers, mm-hmm. but it is rest of season rankings. So trying to trying to be disciplined here. It's only been ten percent of the season, Scott. We've got a long yep. way to go. You're usually the one that needs to tell me that, not the other way around. So I know. Look where we are. I, I in the end, I have to tell myself it too. <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break, but when we return, we have the worryometer. We're going to rank some stuff, and we have the rest of Tuesday's action. We'll talk about it here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. 
That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Let's fire up the worryometer as always. 10 is, I am freaking out about this guy. What is going on? One, no problem. I'm all right. I still have confidence this player is going to be just fine. How about all of the New York Mets hitters? Francisco Lindor batting 171. Michael Conforto batting 184. Jeff McNeil batting 162. <laughs> Scott, worryometer on each, all, the entire Mets team. What's happening? Well, I can tell you that I moved all three down slightly in my rest of season rankings. Like I moved Lindor behind Corey Seager, who we all know I loved anyway. Uh, but, you know, worryometer, it's it's probably like a one for Lindor and Conforto, a two for McNeil. I think there's probably something to the 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 fact that they sat out like what the first two and a half series of the season. It's been such a weird year for them to start. Yeah. I don't think you can really hold anything against them. They've had so many games postponed. It's right. It's been such a weird season. Yeah, it it has. And I think they're still, they'll get in a groove. They'll get in the groove. McNeil hasn't been striking out at all. Um, They'll be fine. Francisco Lindor. This is, pretty odd. He is changing leagues to his first time in the National League, so I don't know if that matters at all, but maybe it does. Um, Lindor is striking out 6% of the time entering Tuesday with a nearly 17% walk rate. So maybe he's being a little <laughs> bit too passive, but he's walking a ton and he's making well, a lot of contact. So Right. right. Normally when you say somebody's too passive, they're taking a lot of called third strikes, and clearly that's not happening in Lindor's case. Yep. So look, if you have the Mets, don't freak out. If you can buy them on the cheap, I still I think Jeff McNeil, especially. People are talking to me about dropping Jeff McNeil. He's a slow starter. This has happened each of the past two seasons as well. I think Jeff McNeil is going to be all right. Zach Wheeler was going up against the Giants on Tuesday. Five and two-thirds, four earned runs, three walks, six strikeouts. He did allow three home runs in this game, and which is interesting because he allowed three home runs all of last season in 11 starts. Um, he had that really great first start of the season, Zach Wheeler did. He has a 5.56 ERA over his last three starts. Worryometer on Zach Wheeler. It's it's probably only like a two, but I, I have a big investment in Zach Wheeler, and he's somebody who has been frustrating me the past three starts. It, it is worth noting that his... You know, you combine the first start with the next three. His his ERA is like 380 and his whip 131, which sounds like a pretty typical Zach Wheeler season, doesn't it? I mean, I guess the whip's a little that whip's a little on the high side, but anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting the way the way it comes out to a 380 ERA and 131 whip. You know, velocity's fine, whiff rate's fine. I, you know, I, I don't really see any cause for alarm. It's just kind of frustrating when you see your neighbor having these Carlos Rodon starts and you're like, but I paid for Zach Wheeler. When is he going to give me that? 
Yeah, get back to that Zach Wheeler from the first start that we saw. I think he's going to be all right. The swinging strike rate's up a little bit so far this season, and actually entering Tuesday, all of his underlying numbers, according to Fangraphs, were quite good. So I think Zach Wheeler's going to be all right. How about Dansby Swanson, Scott? You're sporting the Ronald Acuna Atlanta Braves shirt. Uh, Dansby Swanson. Not that anybody can see it. It like printed on the stomach. I don't know what that was about. Uh, Come on, guys. Dansby Swanson entering Tuesday was batting 194. Worryometer for Swanson. Um, let me see. I haven't looked at Swanson. I think, you know, it's, it's going to be low, obviously. Let's see. The strikeout rate's a little high, but nothing crazy. He's actually hitting the ball harder. I guess everybody's hitting the ball harder. Yeah. Expected stats actually higher than last year. I don't see a lot of reason to worry here. I'll say three just because his, his, He's not like a super high-end player, so obviously that gives you a little more wiggle room with him. I am here to tell you to buy Dansby Swanson if you can get him for cheap because, yes, the hard contact is up for everyone, Scott, but 50% hard contact would be far and away the best for Dansby Swanson ever. He has a 266 expected batting average with that 194 batting average. He's slugging 306. His X-slug is 517, so he's making pretty good contact. I am buying the bounce back for Dansby Swanson. Uh, Glaber Torres, we spoke about him a little bit the other day, Scott. It's You look at the numbers. Is there anything that stands out to you? He's he's hitting 182, Glaber Torres is. 208 expected batting average. So there's not really much that say he's going, that says he's going to be better outside of just, you know, he's had some pretty good seasons already. So we're waiting for it to happen again. Yeah, I mean, obviously my concern level would be next to nothing if he hadn't just had the the disappointing 2020. I, I, I'm, I'm not looking to change my shortstop right now if I drafted Glaber Torres to be that guy. But I'm, I'm a little unnerved. I'll, I'll say it's a 3.5 just to get it higher than Swanson. The biggest issue I've seen for Glaber is he's hitting 167 against fastballs. Last year, even when he struggled, that was 259. Back in 2019, that was 292. As a rookie, 277. So if we see some regression against fastballs for Glaber Torres, I, I think he'll be all right. So, I mean, usually <laughs> usually hitters dominate fastballs. So let's get it on he, track, Glaber. It's interesting you say that because I, I noticed he seemed to he seemed to have trouble catching up to Charlie Morton's stuff tonight. So, Morton was hitting 96, but still. All right. Well, we'll, we will watch it with Glaber Torres. Matt Chapman, Scott, 177 batting average. He has a 36% strikeout rate. And while the average exit velocity in baseball is up across the board, that is not the case for Matt Chapman, who is coming back from, I believe it was torn labrum surgery in his hip. Not the torn, not the labrum in your shoulder. Yeah. Um, because of that, I, I I probably go like four on the worryometer, but he hit for power in the spring. He has a couple home runs already during the regular season. Like he's still capable of hitting the ball hard. I understand the ever, average exit velocity, the the hard hit rate is down, but I I don't know that I'd read anything. And he has three home runs already this season, and he had three in spring training. I I think he's probably going to be okay, but I'll go four. A four for Matt Chapman. Would you be all right benching him for now, Scott, until he figures it out? Depends who you have. <laughs> of course. I'm not benching him for like Jonathan India 
How about um, if you have Evan Longoria on your bench or waiver wire? Not that you would drop Chapman, but drop someone else and pick up Longoria and just throw him in there until Chapman figures it out. Yeah, I don't I don't think I'm ready to do that, no. Okay. Longoria is off to a great start, so I just thought I'd show him some love. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel, off to a slow start. He's batting at 188 with a 208 slug. Worryometer on Lourdes Gurriel. Eh. Two. I think he's I think he started pretty cold last year too, and obviously figured it out. Yeah, I think the, he will again. The expected stats for Lourdes Griel are <laughs> much better. So he's hitting 188. His expected batting average is 264. I think better days are coming for Lourdes Griel. Let's stick with Toronto. Uh, a player that we were all worried about, Kevin Biggio. Quality of contact, way, way down. And he has a 33% strikeout rate. Worryometer on Biggio. That's actually higher. I mean, it, it's kind of confirmation bias, I guess, because I hadn't pegged as a bust candidate coming into the year. Uh, so I will say my worry level, and I, I I lowered him quite a bit in the rankings today too, though not quite to the, the droppable range at either second, third, or outfield. But I'll, I'll go... I'll go six. My worryometer, worryometer for Biggio, I'll go six. Let's wrap up with these two, and we'll, we'll tie in the dropo meter, right? So 10, you can drop this guy anywhere. Dylan Moore, he picked up his third steal, but he's batting 115. Uh, he has a 35% strikeout rate. He's 61% rostered. It might seem crazy that I'm asking this, but Keston Hira's got 122 batting average, 36% strikeout rate. What is the dropo meter for Dylan Moore and Kesson Hira. So you're cha- are you changing it to dropo meter now? Yeah, I thought we, we were are. doing worryometer. No, we are changing it to to dropo meter. Can oh you God. drop well, these is, gentlemen? This is gonna, I'm going to throw I'm going to give numbers that aren't going to make any sense compared to the numbers I was cuz I was going to say okay, worryometer 8 for Dylan Moore, 7 for Kesson Hira. Okay. But now you want me to do give a drop a score to them and oh man. I'll go <laughs> drop a meter. I'll, I'll put more at about a seven. I have dropped him in in a shallower league. I dropped him for Mark Canna in the, in the podcast league, as a matter of fact. One where it's a points league, so you don't depend on steals. It made it a little easier to do. Keston here, I'll put as a five on the drop a meter. He, again, is a seven on the worryometer. We got all our numbers and meters straight. Does everybody follow that? Okay. My goodness. Scott doesn't like my meters. Well, you're just crossing the meters. It's, well, I'm like crossing I, the streams. Those were the two that seemed the most droppable on the list of worryometers. So I thought I would uh, throw them on the dropometer. But all right, Dylan Moore in some shallower leagues. Definitely, I, I think, in a points league because it's not like stolen bases are going to help you much there anyway. Keston Hira, a five on the dropometer. Let's rank some stuff. Last week, I told people, hey, you could drop Nick Solak in a points league. Well, what a uh, what a dumb call that was. Nick Solak hit his fourth home run on Tuesday. <laughs> he has 12 hits and three home runs over his last eight games. Nick Solak is 74% rostered. Scott, rank these four second basemen in Roto for me. Jazz Chisholm, Nick Solak, Nick Madrigal, and Garrett Hampson. Frankie. Scotty. You just did. No, you know what? I might go Hampson over Madrigal. I, I just don't have a... 
Yes, Madrigal's giving you a an empty 300 batting average, which was never really in doubt that he'd hit for average, but he's stolen one base and hitting at the bottom of the lineup. Like, there's no runs, RBI product. There's nothing. Obviously, no power. So I, I think I would rather have Hampson and Roto, even though Hampson, you know, he, he might just be a total dud in the long run. I just think Madrigal's impact is so low. So I'll go uh, Chisholm, Solak, Hampson, Madrigal for Roto. Tommy Lestello went one for four with a two-run ding-dong on Tuesday. His first of the season. He has let off four straight games for San Francisco. He's 49% rostered. Scott, if you are in a points league and you're looking for a second baseman, how would you rank Tommy Listella, Jed Lowry, and Joey Wendell? They're all kind of similar. <laughs> points league, yeah. I would go Lowry, Listella, Wendell. I think Wendell's going to run into playing time issues down the line. Listella uh, already has some, but I I think Listella is more likely to get consistent playing time as the year goes on, get to where he's playing against more lefties, well, Wendell might lose it. Um, Particularly, I'm thinking when Wander Franco comes up. Buster Posey went three for four in that same game with LaStella. Of course, everyone was bombs away on Zach Wheeler, our boy. But three for four with a double dong for Buster Posey. He's 60% rostered, so he's still available. Scott, how would you rank these veteran catchers? Yadier Molina, Buster Posey, Wilson Ramos, and Omar Nervaez. I would go Molina number one because he's still playing. Like, I don't, he's so old, but he's still playing so much. He's dominating. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Posey, I mean, the expected stats look great. Obviously, he's up to what, four homers on the season? Sounds um, right. But he's, he's sitting every third game, like literally every third game. That's a lot. That's a lot of sitting. So I'm going to go Molina. Molina, Ramos, Posey, Narvaez. And would you rank Mitch Garver behind all of them? No, I wouldn't. I would put him behind Molina and Ramos. And I guess po- I, I guess I could do Posey right now. Yeah, after today's game. I'll okay. need to update that from today's update of the rankings. All right, so Garver ahead of just Omar Narvaez on that list. Some signs of life from Tuesday. Marco Gonzalez against the Dodgers C lineup. No Mookie Betts or Cody Bellinger. Seven innings of one run ball. He had six strikeouts and only one walk. The one walk was key for Marco Gonzalez because entering Tuesday, he was averaging four over four walks per nine, which is not really like him. Still 74% rostered is Marco Gonzalez. Trey Mancini went two for three with his fourth home run of the season. He now has six hits over his last five games, including two home runs during that span. So I think it's perfectly reasonable for Trey Mancini to get off to a slow start, but um, now he's coming along a little bit. Adam Wainwright against the Nationals, seven innings of one-run ball, 10 strikeouts. Anything to see here, Scott? Adam Wainwright? Oh, he had some starts like this last year. Sure, he had double-digit strikeouts a time or two. Check that. You know, the whiffs weren't high, but... um, like he still goes really deep into games, and just because he's uh, he never got to ten last year, had a couple, a couple nine strikeout games. Yeah, I mean eleven whiffs on hundred pitches, so obviously that raises suspicions about those ten strikeouts. But he, he can still go deep into games. He can still limit the scoring 
as kind of a curveball heavy pitcher now. You know, I, I think he's pretty fringy, but he's not, he's certainly not, um, not some scrub either. Brendan Lau, we were waiting for this two for three with his second home run of the season, a walk and two RBI on Tuesday. Carlos Santana, two for three with a home run, three RBI. He has four multi-hit games in a row for Santana. Austin Meadows, three for five with a homer, two runs and two RBI. And CJ Crone hitting a home run late in that game for the Rockies, went two for five. And he is 46% rostered. Game was in Coors Field, so... Obviously, we told a lot of people to drop CJ Crone, and, and I'll stand by it. You know, for we said for Joey Votto, and, and Votto's been great so far. Um, but if he was dropped by someone else, should you, should you get back on CJ Crone, Scott? Well, it depends how much you need a first baseman. Obviously, I, I if I don't have a need there, I don't think I'm going to pick him up just because he happened to hit a home run mm-hmm. in this game. You know, it need to see a little more than that. But yeah, it's not it's not a give up on Crone forever situation. Obviously, half his game's at Coors Field. There's still a chance he delivers a a good chance. He delivers career-best numbers. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on him. We'll keep an eye on him. Hopefully, Brandon Lau gets hot now because when he gets hot, he gets really hot. Yeah, he's super streaky. I remember that last year. It was like a roller coaster, and that was in, what, just a mm-hmm. two-month season. So if you have Brandon Lau, especially in a Roto League you probably just want to leave him in there and whatever the numbers are by the end of the season, fine. But in a points league, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get pretty frustrating with Brandon Lau at times. Um, the rest of Tuesday's action, a few other names that popped up on the waiver wire that are available. Miguel Rojas went four for four with a triple. He is batting 327, 46% rostered. John Gray at home against the Astros, which had Alex Bregman back in the lineup. Six and two-third, one earned, Four walks, don't love that. Six strikeouts. Um, John Gray, 54% rostered, currently projecting for a two-start week next week at San Francisco and at Arizona. So, all right, those those matchups are not so bad. Uh, any interest in Rojas or John Gray, Scott? Not in, not probably not in like a standard size league, uh, but Rojas is, Rojas is kind of interesting. He already has three steals this year. He had five in just 40 games last year. You know, for the extent of his career, stolen bases hasn't been a big thing for him. But I, the last couple of years, he's he's shown that's something he wants to make a bigger part of his game. And I, I don't, I, I think the batting average is totally legit because he hardly ever strikes out. He hit three hundred four last year. Uh, I, I'm, I might value him more as a middle infielder than Nick Madrigal, for instance, at this point. I don't like like Madrigal. I don't see Rojas providing a lot of power, but batting average and and he he's looking like the better bet for steals at this point. Nice, yeah. I mean, the guy hit three hundred four with an eight eighty eight OPS last year. Miguel Rojas did. You know, not yeah. that we're expecting but the power numbers. Then were a little suspicious. I'm not counting on him doing that again. But, yeah, I agree. But the batting average and steals, I could see it. Yep. Uh, in some deeper leagues, Freddie Galvis went two for three with his second home run. Of the season, he has nine hits over his last five games. He's 13% rostered. Pavin Smith of the Diamondbacks, three for four with a run scored. He has six hits over his last five games, a former first-round pick in 2017 for the D-backs. Luis Garcia at the Rockies, five and two-thirds, two earned runs, six strikeouts. And Guillermo Heredia had two hits on Tuesday night after hitting two home runs. On Sunday, he has been starting in center field with Christian Pache on the I.L., 
Galvis, Pavin Smith, Luis Garcia, Guillermo Heredia. In deeper leagues, Scott, if you know, whatever, 15 teams or deeper, would any of these names catch your eye? I think the most interesting is definitely Luis Garcia of the Astros, who, for now, he's in the rotation. I, I mean, now that Jake Odorizzi is back, they don't have room for both Luis Garcia and uh, and and Christian Javier, and you assume Javier is going to be back at some point. So that that makes me a little hesitant to pick up Garcia in, in like a standard size league. But this is two starts in a row now with fourteen whiffs, and that's fourteen whiffs on sixty two pitches and eighty four pitches, respectively. And he seems to have a lot of different pitches he can get. Uh, gets get get swings and misses on last year, well not last year but the last time there was a minor league season in 2019 168 strikeouts in 108 and two thirds innings so like bat missing is something he excelled at in the minors as well that that's interesting <laughs> that's interesting again I I don't know how they're gonna have room for him if they want Javier back and I don't see why they'd keep Javier out certainly didn't do anything to lose his job. Uh, yeah, I don't know where the Astros go from here, but I'm interested in Garcia. A few other notes from Tuesday. Scott, the Brad Keller thing, can we just you know wash our hands and say no more? Because one and two-thirds, five earned, three walks. He's just not good. I feel like every time we recommend him, he he makes us look terrible. So, Well, we- I mean, this he's not some rookie or even sophomore. I mean, he's had, you know... Three major league seasons combined 350 ERA coming into this year. So, like, I don't think he's not good, but he's certainly looking, uh, as somebody who doesn't miss a lot of bats, he's al- always vulnerable to getting uh, blown out. And three out of four times this year, that's happened. So, the trust level is, it's going to take, it's going to take a lot to regain the trust. You said that so eloquently and, and so nice, Scott. So, I don't know that I did. I'm not good. I'm not good at anything, Frank. Come on. <laughs> oh, come on, Scott. Stop. No, stop. We're not going to do that. Uh, Will Smith, I just wanted to point this out. He has started 11 of 18 games for the Dodgers this year. That is a 99-game pace over 162. So it seems like that's where we're at with Will Smith. Jose Abreu had himself a bit of a breakout game. Three hits, including a double dong. Helps when you're going up against Zach Plesac, of course. Uh, Luis Robert. Three for four. He's batting 310 on the year. Only one home run, but three steals. And his strikeout rate was just 23% entering Tuesday. So, love to see that for Luis Robert. What else do we have here? Zach Gallen was fine. He walked too many guys. Bo Bichette, two for four with his fifth home run of the season. Shohei Otani pitched, but did not hit. So, he was focusing on pitching on Tuesday. Four shutout, one hit, six walks, which is always the issue for Otani. And seven strikeouts. The call to the pen. Matt Barnes picked up his third save for the Red Sox. Cesar Valdez, who's still out there in some leagues, if if you need a closer. Um, he recorded a four-out save. He had three strikeouts. His fourth save of the season for Valdez. Uh, Brad Hand got his second save. Chapman, Aroldis Chapman, got his second. Liam Hendricks got his third save. Kenley Jansen picked up his fourth save and has looked much better as of late. His sinker and cutter velocity were both up almost three miles per hour each in this appearance. Wow. So great news for, for Kenley. Wow. Jansen. Not wow. great news. If you picked up Corey Knable and for the Oakland A's, did he actually, did he convert the save? I saw Jake Diekman was in for the save. Did it actually happen? 
It did, because the Oakland A's won one zip. Diekman picks up his second save of the season. Lou Trevino was used in the sixth. It was a seven-inning doubleheader, so... I think that was the first save for Diekman. No, it was, yeah, first save of the season, yep. Yeah, uh, Trevino... Yeah, he came in and worked the doubleheader. So we're, you know, sixth inning is like the eighth inning, seventh inning is like the ninth. So Trevino got two outs in the sixth. There was a runner on, and the two batters do up were right handers. So Trevino had gotten the previous, what was it, two saves for the Athletics. And his, his last four appearances were all in the ninth inning or the last inning of the game, while Diekman's. Last four appearances were all the eighth or the seventh inning. So, like, it, it seemed like a clear cut thing. Okay, Trevino's just the closer. But apparently, you know, if, if, if it's if it's a murderer's row in the eighth inning of right handers, apparently there's a chance Trevino will come in then instead and Diekman will be in. That's how I read this anyway. So, I, I still think Trevino's the guy to have here, but. It's not as clear cut as it seemed in the week leading up to it. To stream or not to stream, Scott, and we're going to do this a little bit differently. We will give you a few starters for Wednesday, and if you play in a league where you have to pick up a pitcher for the following day, then we will also hit on Thursday. What I'm going to do, Scott, to, to streamline this process, I'm going to read you what I think are the sixth, five or six best options for that day. You give me your three favorite. Even if you don't really like them, just choose your three favorite. Okay. So, yeah, so we don't, it's a lot less grunting this way, probably. <laughs> Although I kind of like the grunting. I, I found it comical. Um, so let's start with, for Wednesday, Anthony DiSclefani at the Phillies, Michael Fulmer versus the Pirates, Zach Davies versus the Mets, Jake Junis versus the Rays, Jose Quintana up against the Rangers, David Peterson at the Cubs. Give me your three Favorite. So I'll go Fulmer against the Pirates after the Tuesday game got snowed out. I'll go Jake Junis against the Rays. And I, I'm i actually going to go Zach Davies versus the Mets. This is my number three here. Uh, there's something going on in New York because the bats are very quiet for both the Yankees and the Mets. So perhaps Zach Davies can continue to keep them quiet on Wednesday. Then for Thursday, your three favorites here, Scott. And this is, I admit this is ugly. We've got a murderer's <laughs> row of starting pitchers here. JT Brubaker at the Tigers. Jose Urania versus the Pirates. Nick Pavetta versus the Mariners. Alex Cobb at the Astros. Jeff Hoffman versus the Diamondbacks. And Taylor Widener at the Reds. Your three favorites. So I'm actually going to go Cobb at Houston, even though that's the toughest matchup. I just, I just think Cobb, I'm hopeful Cobb is a different class of pitcher. I don't really want to have to start him, but you know, you're making me pick three here. Uh, so Cobb at Houston, then Brew Baker at Detroit. It's been getting good strikeouts so far. And my third choice for Thursday will be Arania versus the Pirates. All right. That wasn't so bad. No. <laughs> no, not not so bad. Just kind of bad. For Scott, I'm, I'm going to be wrong about all of them, so, you know. Oh, come on. You know it's a long <laughs> season. It's Things will get better. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework.